Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Not only about happy, I were happy. Happy I was here. I'm just glad I made it another year. I don't know about you. Uh, and uh, but uh, as one of my brothers used to say, the best is yet to come. So uh, we're excited about the new year. Uh, good morning, church. It's a great blessing to be here with you. Uh, it's a good day to be alive, January 1st, 2017. Amen. Uh, all of you looking in as well, uh, I wrote this down. Nick Delicio, you and your family in Pittsburgh, PA. He told me on Twitter he was going to be tuned in today. So hopefully they just shouted in their living room in Pittsburgh. But we got a lot of people that tune in from all around the country and all around the world. What a great blessing. Uh, I don't know about you, Mike, but 2016 was an awesome year for me. I want to thank all of you here, actually, uh, over 70, who told me at the end of 2015 how fat I'd become. Um, because of you, I went on this huge diet, and Lisa and I last year lost the equivalent of a high school cheerleader. So <laughs> it was a great year for us, and um, I'm grateful for that. Uh, Lloyd Williams, in particular, uh, down in Houston, said that I looked fleshy was the word that he used. And I told him back, I said, well, Lloyd, I guess they don't have mirrors in Houston, Texas for you to call me flashy. So that was the kind of challenge we had back and forth. But it was a great year, uh, I'm sure, for all of us. And I love what Daniel said. It doesn't matter, good year or bad year, because the best is always yet to come. Uh, and we're very excited about uh, our year coming up. Today is a new sermon series uh, called Renewed. And we're going to talk about a lot of renewed commitment over the next few weeks. And a part of that is talking about... Uh, Making sure we've got our vision on right. You've heard us talk about our vision and about our mission and uh, those kinds of things. And, you know, having great vision is, is important, I think, for a church, as well as, as specifically for the leaders of a church. To have a vision, have somewhere at where uh, you're looking down toward the future, seeing what God wants, wants you to be a part of and do. Uh, uh, sometimes your vision gets messed up, right? I, I remember I had eye surgery one time, and so they patched all my eye up, and so... Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, if you, you know, you've got one patched up, you don't see things quite as clear. And I think I must have scared somebody. I was on my motorcycle, and at the intersection, I looked over at a lady. Of course, I had to look all the way around to see with my good eye. And she kind of looked like this, like, what are you doing on that thing? And so uh, people's vision is important. It's, it's funny, in the Bible, you know, it's all the times that Jesus healed blind people. You ever notice that? Yet almost all those occasions, he wasn't just healing the blind. He was turning around and opening the eyes of the people around who were hearing his message that day. So it's really important that we have a kingdom vision for what we do at WFR. And as a leadership here, we're committed to that vision. But not just having it, but then communicating it. Uh, because a vision uh, for a church doesn't do much good unless we can communicate that vision properly. Uh, our ministry staff here does a wonderful job, our ministry leadership, in enacting that vision into the hearts and lives of people, which are all of us. And so we're very blessed with that. Last year, there was a real emphasis on ramping up our campus work across the river over at ULM. And by God's grace, we've done that. Uh, a lot of college kids now uh, being discipled in Christ because of that. And we're hoping and praying this year will be even greater in that. Yeah, by the way, Alan, that those college kids left this morning. There's a big group of them left to go to a... Uh, a passion conference uh, that uh, that's pretty exciting place. They always come back from that fired up. Uh, so if you you miss seeing them here, the group of them's gone. Be sure and pray for their safety and the things they'll be getting there too. So. Here locally, we we said, look, we want to be committed and, and revamp our group ministry. 
Uh, and our leaders here did that, to be able to have community and connection. We've got a lot of great ministries here, but we have to be connected in the body of Christ so that we can continue to do great things in him. This year, we want to emphasize discipleship uh, and deepening of our understanding of the word of God and our faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 28, Paul said they, and he was talking about the ungodly and the worldly, because that is a blistering picture of what happens to the ungodly in Romans chapter 1. But he says in verse 28, they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Now think about that. They did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So therefore he gave them over. And then there's a whole list of bad actions and bad things that happen when we are not willing to retain the knowledge of God. So this year, we as a, as a church, as a leadership, we want to think it worthy to retain it. Not only that, actually do something about growing in our knowledge of God. The best place I know how to do that is growing in our understanding of the Word of God and continuing to pray, as David talked about earlier, every single day. And we're praying with Scripture, if you notice, because we want God's Word resonating. You realize the same Holy Spirit that lives in you and lives in me wrote the Word of God. So we're never in better concert when we're praying and consistently sharing and deepening in the Word of God. So that those 31 days of prayer cards that you'll receive, you'll, you, we'll, we'll pass out a, a different one, I think, each week, right, right, Dave? They'll have a list of things on it to pray for. Look, we as leaders, we value your prayers so much. And I want you to know I really appreciate it because so many of you have come up and, and said, Mike, you know, we're praying for the elders or we're praying for this and leadership or for our church. And that, that means the world because uh, we, we're human. We know we make mistakes. We know we're weak. And yet we want to claim our strength only through God and what, what he's doing. And so uh, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for this emphasis on prayer through this next uh, uh, few weeks. But for, for those of you who continually encourage us as uh, elders and shepherds praying for us, we appreciate that so much. The Hebrew writer said, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And Jesus himself said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and what? Follow me. So it looks like to me, from a good understanding of the Bible, that if you want to be a leader, first you have to be a what? A follower. So a lot of times we think, well, you know, I I want to come to Christ so I can be a leader. No, you come to Christ to be a follower. Because when you're a good follower, then you're a candidate for a good leader. But not without that first. Sometimes, you know, we want to get the cart before the horse. When you look back in the Old Testament, it was Yahweh. And all those ones that were willing to follow his voice and follow his guidance and follow his leading, they were the ones that became great leaders. But not before they were followers. The same with the disciples in Christ. The same with the early church. And the same with us today. We want to raise up good followers to be good leaders. And that includes your leadership here. So Jesus never tapped one of his disciples on the shoulder and said, come be a good leader. He never did that. He said, come what? Follow me. Follow me. And, and, that, and that's always a challenge. Uh, it really is. And so it's something we continually work on. And th- I know th- there's been times in my life where 
I feel like I'm, I'm really making an effort to follow Christ. You know, there are times uh, when it's weak and I'm like, man, you know, I don't feel like I'm doing really good on this following thing like I really need to. And, and so we all have those experiences through our journey because our journeys go up and down, you know, like those mountains. But, but look, our commitment stays the same. Our, our closeness to God is not determined by our emotions. And aren't you glad? Because they're all over the place sometimes, right? But it's determined by our faith and trust in God. We know that wherever He leads and we follow, that'll be a good place to be. Look over the course of my life and ministry here at this church. And I see so many times when, you know, I, I was leading, but at the same time I, I, I was resistant to follow. When I first started having some success in some of the ministry outreach that we were doing, you know, I thought, man, I'm ready to do this and be my own man. But I had great mentors and disciples here, leaders who were seasoned and had been here a long time that were able to say, oh, you gotta, you got to humble yourself. It's not quite time for that yet. The Probably the greatest example for that for me was 15 years into our ministry here, Lisa and I, our marriage fell apart right here publicly. And in that place of brokenness and despair, so many people were there to help us. But, you know, I was a leader in the church, but my, our marriage was leading in nothing but failure. And so I had to be a follower. And the first marriage retreat we went to it was so hard because I was used to being up front and teaching and doing what I did best and using my gifts. But you know what? I wasn't in a position for that. I had to be a follower. And so did Lisa. We had to learn from other people and be mentored alone to have a strong relationship and what a good, strong marriage looks like. Because of that following now, 17 years later, we get to travel around the country and speak and talk about what real marriages look like. You see what God does even in our failures? But it takes humility first to get to that point. Now, for people that are naturally humble, you say, oh, man, that's easy. Yeah, just humble yourself before the Lord. But for those of us who battle with pride, we just got a cross to bear, didn't we? But we still got to be humble. It takes courage to be able to be willing to step up and follow or lead. And for those that are courageous and bold and say, oh, you're speaking my language. That's right. We've got to get out there and preach it and do it. But for others who are shy and timid and tend to hold back, guess what? We just got a cross to bear. But we still got to follow and we still got to lead. It takes a toughness to get up after you've been knocked down again and again. It takes spiritual toughness, physical toughness, and emotional toughness. Where's that going to come from? It's going to come from the Holy Spirit. It's not going to come from you. So we've got to be willing to allow ourselves to lay it down for God to do what he does best in us. When, uh, when we were talking about different leaders and who we wanted to talk about today, uh, one of the first ones that came up was Joshua. Uh, because uh, he was a great follower. And uh, he was willing to be mentored. He was willing to wait his turn. He had uh, 40 years of leadership training while he was following before he ever became the leader, right? And so this is the kind of guy he was. He was willing to go to battle with his mentor. He was willing to learn and observe from Moses. Uh, and he was willing to, to sit in the presence of God and watch God work through another leader. And then... Obviously, then down to where he uh, became a leader himself. This guy, he did not fear. He operated on faith. And I, I thought, you know, that's, he, but he was a man of faith when he was following, way before he became the leader of the nation. You know, usually followers 
are doing God's will and doing exactly what he leads them to do. And then they have that moment where they have to step up and then that leadership takes form. And that's what happened with Joshua and Caleb as well. You remember, they were part of the 12 tribes. They were one of the best out of each tribe, one of the best followers and obviously potential leaders out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so Moses took 12 of them. He said, I want to send you into the promised land, the land that God says he's going to deliver to us. And I want you to tell me what you see there. I want you to come back and give me a report. So 10 of them come back and say, oh, man, it was scary in there. I mean, the people look like giants and we're like grasshoppers and we, we can't do this, man. It's too big. It's too big of a task. We'll all die in the process. And Joshua and Caleb are looking around at each other. And they're, are you kidding me? It was a land flowing with milk and honey. And God's already said he's going to give it to us. Yes, we go in and we take it and we take it now. You see, they were operating under faith, not fear. And so Joshua really shows his leadership because even in the minority, he was like, this is the right thing to do. God's going to deliver. We understand minority and majority, right? Every day we watch television, we look on the Internet or pick up a newspaper and it's like, well, polls say this. Sixty five percent of Americans say blah, 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 blah. And then we go right down the polls and that's how we determine what's right and wrong by what the polls say. No, I determine what's right and wrong by what the word of God says. And that's how I want to operate every single day of my life. Well, 10 out of 12 spies agree that we should. Who cares? They're wrong. So the majority of Americans feel like traditional marriage won't work anymore. You're on the wrong side of that, the wrong side of history. No, it's the right thing. God said, this is the way I designed it. I don't care how much of a minority I stay in. That's where I'm camping out because it's the right thing to do. Therefore, that's what leadership and good followers do, even in the minority. If it's right with God, it's still the right thing to do. You know, Joshua said and made a declaration really in Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites. In whose land you are living. But as for me and my household. Got it? We will serve the Lord. He made a determined declaration. About who he was going to follow. And who he was going to serve. And he was going to serve God. And that needs to happen in every family. In our church family. Amen. That there's a declaration in your family that this household, we're following God no matter what. But not just in the physical families that exist here, in our local church family, our forever family here at White's Ferry Road. We need to make that declaration ourselves. We are going to, as far as this can come, we are going to serve God no matter what. As far as this household, this church, this local church, we're committed to following God. Regardless of what's going on outside in our culture, regardless of the influences, we're going to stay, stay focused with determination to serve God. Another uh, focused individual that was showed great leadership in the Bible was John the Baptist, sort of that next generation right ahead of Christ. And one of the things that I love about John is that you could tell just from the first time you read about him that he was set apart and he knew that he was. And he had a task at hand. And I mean, he stayed laser focused on that task. 
He was to go and to preach about repentance and to point people to Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. And I mean, he did it with a vengeance. And he didn't care whether you liked him, whether you didn't like him. He looked strange. He didn't care. He talked in strange ways they'd never heard before. He didn't care, but he pointed people to Christ. When I think about our church here at White's Bay Road, that's what I think about. I mean, I look around today, I think, okay, strange looking people that eat strange things that point people to Christ. That sounds like White's Bay Road. That fits us perfectly, right? We're right in the vein of that. And you know what? As long as we're laser focused on the gospel of Christ, it doesn't matter. And as an eldership here and as a leadership, this has always been a focus. This is how I was trained. The elders here at White's Ferry Road are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's our core. That's who we are. We're committed to the ministry of this church for the discipling and growth of her members. I mean, we want people to grow to full maturity in Christ and to the mission of reaching the world with the good news of Christ. It's not just here. It's all those looking in. It's all those souls out there. It's all those other people that don't know anything about God. It's our responsibility to get the gospel out there. That's our core. That's our commitment. And John was willing to teach people. And when he taught them, he taught them. And John 140 says, the men he taught, he taught them to follow Jesus. He didn't teach them to follow him. He taught in such a way that pointed men toward the Christ. And he was willing to do that in a culture of depravity. He was willing to do that when all the odds were against him, yet he was willing to be strong in that. And you remember what it cost him to keep preaching what was right. It cost him his very head on a platter presented to royalty. And yet he stayed the course. He stayed the course of marking out the road for Jesus Christ. Pointing and saying, behold, the Lamb of God who come to... Take care of, of the sins of the world. That was John's message. Now, look, he had a great boldness about him, but he did not have arrogance. He did not say, I've got the answers, follow me. He was bold in talking about the kingdom and pointing to Jesus saying, follow him. And, and do you ever think he imagined for a moment that when he preached and Andrew came and Andrew brought Peter, remember? And he becomes a follower that later on, after John's long dead, Peter becomes this guy who preaches in Acts chapter 2 and has a major part in the gospel going to the whole world. John didn't realize when he was preaching, calling those two guys, how God would use them in the kingdom. He didn't see down the road, but he trusted the message God gave him and he kept on preaching it. You know, and John probably never even knew that happened until he got to be with the father. You think it would be great to be in heaven and to somebody come up to you and say, you know, eight generations ago you had an impact on someone in my family that then led to me being a Christian a hundred years later? Think about the pebbles in the pond that can impact the kingdom of God. Another thing I love about John in his, in his humility is he, he had some weak moments like we all do. Whenever he was first put in prison, he had some doubts. Is this really the deal? Because he sent some of his guys to Jesus and are you really the Messiah? Because John realized he wasn't getting out of that prison. That was probably where he was going to leave this earth from. And he said, this is real, right? And I don't know about you, but I've had some of those moments. You get some bad news and you're thinking, okay, here we go, Lord. This is real. That's humanity. That's why he said in John chapter 3 and verse 30, he must become greater 
I must become less. And then Peter was that third leader that we saw, by the way, who was a direct result of John's ministry. And Peter understood weakness as well. But he also understood boldness. I mean, on one hand, you are the Christ, the Son of the Almighty God, and praise you, Peter, you're doing great. And then he turns around and gets rebuked because he's telling Jesus what he is and isn't going to do, which don't do that with the Son of God. You get rebuked. But that's Peter. That's me. I mean, one minute I'm flying high doing exactly what God told me to, the next minute I'm struggling with something. That's all of us. And Peter became a great leader. You know why? Because when he blew it, and he blew it, by the way, Jesus told him the night before, here's what you're going to do. Let's think about that. We, a lot of times we mess up knowing the right thing and the wrong thing, but what if Jesus verbally told you, here's what you're going to do? I'd be thinking, well, tomorrow, one thing I won't do is what he said. Guess what? Blew it. He went right out and denied him three times. Why? Fear. Not faith. Fear. He was operating out of fear. He thought they're going to string me up, which, by the way, one day they did. And he was so bold. He said, don't hang me like you did Christ. Hang me upside down. Now, that was faith. But that's what Peter became because he was willing to admit his failure and he was able to bring in a life change. And you know what? He ushered in the gospel to the Jewish community first and then the Gentiles. This weak and bold and messed up guy that trusted in Christ, who went to his death proclaiming the good news. I love what Peter wrote in First Peter chapter 5, and uh, particularly talking about as elders and shepherds. To the, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Being a shepherd in God's family is a humbling and challenging thing all the time. Uh, it's full of joy when you watch someone who, who is baptized into Christ and over the years they become a strong, mature Christian and they're in fact affecting a lot of other people's lives. That's exciting. That's fun. Right? And you have that part of shepherding that takes place and that's great. But then you have the time when you look out and someone is really struggling and you know they're hurting in their struggle. And, and what you may not realize sometimes when you're hurting in your struggle and we see it, we hurt too. Because as elders, we struggle on how to get you through that. We struggle on how to how to, how do we provide nourishment and growth and strength and and help someone uh, grow more mature in the Lord. And and you know, what can we do to help make that happen? Those are the kind of things that they, they weigh on people's hearts. They weigh on our hearts because we don't want you to struggle. I don't want sin to have one. I don't want Satan to have one victory. Not one victory in any member of this church. Not one. And yet, when that happens, we want to be right on the spot to hold someone's hand, to hug their neck, to say, come on, you can make it, you can do this. But it's always a challenging thing. And, and, and we don't always do it the best. We're human. But you know what? Because we're not the chief shepherd. Somebody else is. And so he's the one we depend on. He's the one we pray to. He's the one we put our hope in. 
not humanity, not men, we don't power anything. The power to change lives and hearts has always been the message of Jesus. Someone asked me, said, Mike, what do you say to someone who's been in the church a long time, but, but, they, but they've left, they're losing their faith? What do you tell them? I, I share the gospel with them. Yeah, but Mike, they've already obeyed. It don't matter. Look, the gospel has the power to prick hearts. And what is needed is a pricked heart that will open back up to the leadership of Jesus once again. So that message is our focus. That is the place where we find hope in the blood of Christ. The old song said it, right? Tell me the old, old story. It's the story of Jesus that changes people's lives. You know, elders, pastors, preachers, they don't lead great waves and movements of God. The Holy Spirit does. Men and women, they lead as they're carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter, as we know from his weaknesses, it wasn't about him on the day of Pentecost. It was because the Holy Spirit showed up in force and showed out with the gospel. And so we realize that as leaders here. Another thing we struggle with is just the weakness in our own humanity. We're not perfect at all by any stretch, but we serve a perfect Lord. Two or three months ago, weeks ago, when, some, when the elders were together, we were praying about some of you, some situations going on, trying to just pray that God's Spirit will work in some hearts and lives. And a couple of our elders said, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling now. I'm having struggles with some of my kids, struggles with some of the family. And, you know, I need that same response time just like our members in all of our sheep have. And I said, well, it's there, always available for any of us. And so out of that idea, uh, we wanted today... January 1st, 2017, as we renew our commitment as a leadership to you, we wanted our elders to be the first one to respond this morning. If the elders would come on and join us on stage. Uh, David Owen, if you would come up, David's going to lead a prayer. We want to begin this year by renewing our commitment to you, to our own hearts and lives, to our families. We want to come in repentance for any sinful behavior that's in our lives or in the lives of our children or grandchildren. And we want to lead by example so that you as a church can say, you know what? I follow the examples of my leaders, of my ministry staff, of my ministry leadership, because they follow the example of Christ. And the Holy Spirit works in them. And so we want to begin this year off by us in our own repentance, in our own recommitment, in our own resubmission to God, saying, lead us this year to great and mighty things to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've asked David Owen, if he would, to lead that prayer over us for you as well as for us. Father, it's uh, with a very humble spirit I come to pray over these men who, uh, as I look at them, they've all blessed me. Uh, but Father, I, I, uh, I pray with a heart that... Uh, for our church, as we look at these men, we don't look at them as the answer. Uh, we see their brokenness, and we love them for their brokenness. We love them for a spirit of, in their brokenness, that they reached out to you, and you allowed them to become the leaders that they are in your church. Father, I pray that... Uh, for their hearts, whatever's going on in their lives. Uh, Father, for wherever they are at, 
and wherever we are at, Father, I just pray for a spirit of love among them that carries over into a spirit of love among us. Father, I pray for this church. As they lead us, I pray that we can have hearts that are not critical. We can have hearts that are unified. That we can... Come here to this uh, place and be together and not uh, not to be together uh, to be only edified for ourselves, but just to be here to love each other. Uh, Father, I just pray for these men. Uh, I pray for every one of them. I pray for uh, strength. Uh, I pray for their hearts as they hurt when they see us hurt. I pray for their... Uh, their continued uh, call to you, Father, and I pray that the gospel of Jesus and that Jesus is King and that that's, Father, I just pray that our focus is always on Jesus, that their focus is always on Jesus, and we see that in them. Father, thank you for, uh, for these men. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their hearts that let us know they're not perfect. Father, just... Uh, Continue to be with them. Father, help them to lead us in the direction you want them to go, want us to go, and help us to be, uh, help us to be good sheep. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, David. David and a lot of other men are some men that have sharpened me through the years in powerful ways. We want to lead by example. And so we want to give you now an opportunity, if you need to respond uh, for any reason this morning. Maybe uh, you're not a Christian, and so you came here today um, not even really understanding a lot about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but wanting to know more. Uh, Jesus died for you. He lives for you. He was resurrected for you. He said he's coming back for you. If you will embrace him, believe in his story and the things that he wants you to be, to commit to having life change and I want to be more like him not the way I've been going not looking like that Romans 1 picture you have that opportunity today to come and embrace him as your Lord to be baptized into Christ for the Holy Spirit to live in you so if today's that day for you I can think of no better day than New Year's Day uh, to begin your new birth and your new life maybe you just had a difficult time some struggles stuff going on our church family is always welcoming one of the things I loved about preaching here was that every Sunday felt like a homecoming to me because people could always come home to God. So if that's where you are today, we invite you to come forward. Uh, some will be here waiting and we'll have prayer for you as well. So come if you have a need while we stand and while we sing.